When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Maybe the Baltimore Ravens have problems beyond the Lamar Jackson negotiations. Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio. All you have to do is tell your smart speakers to play ESPN Radio. It is that simple. You can find him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. So an interesting reaction from a member of the Baltimore Ravens today for something that the general manager said when the mic was in front of him at the NFL Combine. Now it is Combine Week in Indianapolis. Everybody's got a microphone in front of them. Everybody's being asked all sorts of things. Eric DaCosta is no exception to that. The general manager of the Baltimore Ravens, he was asked about the lack of high-profile wide receivers that end up on Baltimore. Here is DaCosta. I would say a lot of people would say the same thing. It's a challenging position to evaluate in different ways. Um, I don't have a, if I had an answer, that means I would probably have some better receivers, I guess. Um, we keep trying, you know, I think there's a lot of things that go along with that position. Sometimes it's, it is tied to the quarterback. Um, and I think it's tied to things like durability. It's tied to, you know, a lot of things. Um, we're going to keep swinging, you know, uh, there have been some guys that, you know, have been successful players for us that were draft picks. We've never really hit on that all pro type of guy, which is disappointing, I would say. But it's not for lack of effort. We believe in what we do. We believe in our scouting. We believe in the system that we have, the scouting system that we have. Um, it's one of those anomalies that I really can't explain other than to say we're not going to stop trying. We're going to keep trying. I think we've drafted, I don't know, Chad would probably know, but probably at least five or six receivers in the last four years, maybe. Um, we're going to just keep swinging. And, and hopefully at one of these points, we'll hit the ball out of the park. It's no secret, Joe, that the Baltimore Ravens have a lack of all pro weapons for Lamar Jackson. That's been a conversation now for years, whether that's attracting them to the organization or frankly, even drafting them. The problem with Eric DaCosta saying it out loud is that there's receivers who are on the Baltimore Ravens. And so those guys are probably going to have a little bit of an issue with what DaCosta just said. Rashad Bateman, of course, is one of those guys. He took to Twitter about 40 minutes later to air out his frustrations in a since-deleted tweet. Rashad Bateman tweeted out, how about you play to your player's strengths and stop pointing the finger at us and number eight? Blame the one you let do this. We take the heat 24-7 and keep us healthy, care about us, and see what happens. Ain't no promises, though. Tired of y'all lying and capping on players for no reason. That tweet gets deleted because that's what the kids do these days. You got to delete the tweet after you send out the tweet, but you sent out the tweet. We all saw it. We all had time to screenshot it. You know how this game is played, Joe. If Bateman was out there speaking for himself, and this is the first time someone criticized the Baltimore system, then, okay, maybe it's just a disgruntled wide receiver who doesn't want to catch any shrapnel during a GM's press conference. But this is not the first time we've heard this, so that indicates there's a problem. Because it's not just the commentary, it's the production, or lack thereof on the field, at the wide receiver position. Robert Griffin III, former Baltimore Ravens backup quarterback who did step in when Lamar Jackson was hurt, now works for ESPN, back on January 19th of this year, tweeted this. Greg Roman, 
that is the former Ravens offensive coordinator who was let go at the end of this season, Greg Roman may be one of the greatest run game tacticians I have ever been around at the NFL level. Running backs and tight ends love his system because they eat. Wide receivers absolutely hate it. That's why free agent wide receivers don't want to go to or stay in Baltimore. It was never about Lamar Jackson. Here you have a former player calling out the system. You have a current player calling out the system. You have the production very clearly stating that wide receivers do not eat in this offense. And then on top of it, you have a quarterback in Lamar Jackson who appears to be very well liked in that locker room because there's rumors that he could have been healthy enough to play in the playoffs, but he didn't. And a lot of the guys grabbed his back. And I think the organization, or at least the players in that locker room, realize that the problems are on the organization. The players are siding with their teammate, Lamar Jackson. They are not siding with Harbaugh. They are not siding with DaCosta. They are not siding with the Ravens. So when Rashad Bateman writes, blame the one who you let do this, you think that's a reference to Greg Roman? Who would the other options be? I think it's, I, I would say Harbaugh. 98% it's Roman. I think it's absolutely Roman. I think they, they had Roman there. He was the offensive coordinator. That was the problem. And now, oh, by the way, it turns out after all this, Roman's no longer the offensive coordinator. They went out and brought in Todd Monken, who was the right. offensive coordinator at the University of Georgia and is coming off his second national championship. So I think you put all that information together. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's a lot of circumstantial evidence, Amber. And as an attorney, you know where I'm going with this. I know exactly where you're going with this. Now, Arizona wide, Cardinals wide receiver Marquise Hollywood Brown, who, of course, asked to be traded from the Ravens in 2022. He replied to Bateman's tweet before it was deleted, saying, quote unquote, Quote, let him cook. We've been hearing these rumblings since back then. Why did Hollywood Brown one out of Baltimore, right? This has been a conversation that has gone on for so many years. The NFLPA, we talked yesterday about how the NFLPA released organizational report cards where they had the players rate their teams, rate their franchises, based on a variety of different subject matters, treatment of families, weight room, strength coaches, training staff, locker room, etc. The Baltimore Ravens got middle of the pack to low ratings in most categories. They got an F minus when it comes to strength coaches. That's the one that really stands Ooh. out. A lot of other B, C's, A, they got a locker room. The locker room was A. Team travel was an A. F minus for strength coaches. You and I, when we were having this conversation about those NFL PA report cards, what we were noticing is generally the training staff and the strength coaches were rated highly, even for the organizations that everything else was rating, rated a D or an F. Because it seems like, for the most part, players like the people. And not necessarily the facilities. It's in Baltimore. That's an exception to the rule, apparently. Feels like the Ravens had a plan in place from the late aughts, as they call it. When John Harbaugh first came in, he had Ray Lewis and he had Ed Reed as leaders. He had Joe Flacco as a quarterback. The team had a lot of success. John Harbaugh's a terrific coach. It's been a consistent, steady organization for a while. Very few head coaches last as long as he did or has, and for good reason. I mean, he's respected, but it appears the last few years that there's an understanding, both within and without the, with outside the organization, that you've got a, a marquee quarterback. I mean, the guy won the MVP award. It's not a joke. It's not a fluke to win an NFL MVP, and he's performed at a very high level. But the team has failed to take another step forward, and it feels like at every turn 
he's the one catching the bullets. Well, he can't stay healthy. Well, he's not a true passer. Well, the problem is they don't have great wide receivers, and yet maybe the system was never set up the right way. Maybe Jackson was there in a run-heavy system that benefits tight ends, like Robert Griffin III said, and for some reason you were never able to get the passing game going, which is exactly what we've seen when it pertains to wide receivers. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was Juju Smith-Schuster when he was with the Steelers was a free agent. He got an offer from Baltimore, and he literally took less to return to the Steelers. He took less money to go to Pittsburgh because he didn't want to go to Baltimore. Now, if it wasn't Juju, it was another Pittsburgh wide receiver. I think it was him. It was one of them. But that actually happened. Guys were taking less money to avoid the Ravens. So this is why you have to believe they've made a change at the offensive coordinator position. Hopefully, it's not too little too late when it comes to salvaging things with Jackson and his current wide receiving unit. In fairness, Lamar Jackson does take a lot of heat, but also you get heat when you're an MVP quarterback in the National Football League, particularly if your team doesn't live up to that expectation. You see it with Aaron Rodgers, right? Each and every seat. It's just how it goes if you're considered one of those elite top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Bundled today at Progressive.com. Coming up next... What did we learn from Kevin Durant's debut as a Phoenix Sun? We'll get into that. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to us on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Glittering debut for Kevin Durant as a Phoenix Sun last night. It was happening during our show, but we were going to get into... 
just our general reaction to Kevin Durant, because that man looks like he is back with a force after not being, playing basketball for almost a month. First, though, Joe's going to try to earn you some money. Let's get to it. Pizza in the money number one. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, one and one last night, plus .05 units. Made a nickel. Literal nickel, not a cool nickel, which is 500 bucks. A literal nickel. So that puts us at 30 and 29 on the season, plus 9.6 units. Two golf futures pending, one on Jason Day, one on Matthew Fitzpatrick. Pizza Money number one tonight. The Mavericks and the 76ers going over 229 total points. Dallas gave up their best defender in Dorian Finney-Smith when they made the trade for Kyrie Irving, and their defense, which was already bad, has gotten worse. They went from 114.9 in defensive rating to 117.7, which is a precipitous fall for a team that's already had big-time problems. They're also 6-3 and three to the over since Irving arrived. Now, Philadelphia, they play quality defense, but this is their fourth game in six nights and the second half of a back-to-back, so they could suffer from the old dead leg syndrome, which hurts defense more than offense. So, pizza money number one, Mavericks, Sixers over 229 points. Durant trailing the play, hesitates, takes it to the rim and lays it in. There you go, the first bucket for KD in the Suns uniform. I'm glad my knee's back right. I'm glad I'm just on the road to playing more and more minutes each game. And I'm looking forward to what we could build from this. A 105-91 win for the Phoenix Suns over the Charlotte Hornets last night down in Charlotte. A decimated Charlotte Hornets team. LaMelo fractured his ankle earlier in the week. No LaMelo ball. So this isn't the ultimate test by any means for this Phoenix Suns team. A little cupcake for Kevin Durant's debut. Nevertheless, he certainly made the most of it, Joe. Durant made 10 of 15. He scored 23 points, pulled down six boards, blocked two shots, He looked like he'd been playing basketball all month long, even though he had taken quite a bit of time off from playing the game after that MCL sprain. All in just under 27 minutes that we saw him, Kevin Durant looked like peak KD. Yeah, he was ruthless last night. 66% from the field. And if anyone thought this was going to hurt Devin Booker, Book still got 26 shots up. He led everyone in the game and had seven assists, which is about two above his season average. So to see his assist game pop, as well as him still getting his looks with Kevin Durant dropping 23 points in only 27 minutes is a good sign. Now on one hand, first step, positive step. You blew out the Hornets. On the other hand, it's the Hornets. They're one of the worst teams in the NBA and they're down their best player in LaMelo Ball. I want to get excited. I really want to get excited because like LeBron James, the NBA playoffs are better when you have Kevin Durant. Like him or hate him, you have a a, a reaction to him. You either want to root for him or you want to root against him. It's fantastic to watch him in the postseason. I was lucky enough to do it for a few years while he was in the Bay Area with the Golden State Warriors, but I don't want to get excited, Amber. Like, I don't want to get excited. I tried to get excited about the LeBron situation. That lasted, what, two games with all the new guys and then he got hurt. So, like, what am I supposed to do now? Get excited and then what? CP3 is going to get hurt. Booker is going to get hurt. It's like you can't can't enjoy anything in the NBA because it's going to be taken from you so fast. Right. Well, because, listen, it's obviously – it's a game with very small rosters and and very few players on the court at any given time. So when there's injuries, particularly to your star players, it's so catastrophic for where you're going to go in a postseason. We are talking also about a Phoenix Suns team that has been injured. I mean, I I think people forget, like, it's not just Kevin Durant at this point in his career who has the durability issues. It's not just CP3. 
three. It's also Booker. It's also Aiton, by the way. I mean, all of those guys have missed time with injuries. We hadn't seen Kevin Durant play basketball since January 8th. It is March, Joe. We hadn't seen him play since January 8th. I would be refreshed if I was a Suns fan by the fact that he came out looking like he hadn't missed a beat. Because anytime that you hear MCL, anything to do with knees, with KD, right? At this point in Kevin Durant's career, it's very scary. Obviously not bothering him. That sprain has has significantly cleared up. I'm sure that they were extra cautious with him anyways. You're not going to take chances with him once you make that trade for him. But if I'm a Suns fan, I'm certainly encouraged by what I saw from Kevin Durant. You're absolutely correct, though. This all comes down to health. And can these guys stay healthy? And then also on the back end of that, the conversation about whether they can properly gel here with now 19 games left for them in the season. I also like the fact that they had a 16-point lead at the half and then squandered it in the third quarter. They got outscored by 10 in the third frame. So they took a six-point lead into the fourth, and that was a game. Charlotte was trying to give them a punch, and then they put the throttle down and won that quarter 26-18 and then won the game by 14 points. So they were tested a little bit there, and they showed some resolve. They didn't wilt like the Mavericks did the other night when the Lakers came back against them. So here we go. We've got about 19 games to play. Durant just played 27 minutes. I don't think we're going to see him playing huge minutes the rest of the way out. I believe there will be a minutes restriction for a handful of games. And I also think there's going to be some load management because with the Suns, you do not need to go 15 and 5 over the final stretch. You don't need to go 18 and 2. If you're this good and you got a lot of talent on this team, you don't need to be thinking about playoff positioning. Three seed, six seed, whatever. It's all going to be the same thing because in the West, it's pretty well balanced this season. It's not top heavy. So you're going to get a test and you're going to get a punch in the mouth in the first round. I would be more focused on staying healthy, gelling, figuring out your rotations. Which defenders do you want on the floor in crunch time late in the fourth? How do you want to work the last shot if it comes down to Durant or Booker? Who's going to get their looks? How are these guys going to work together? And then when you get to that opening round of the playoffs, you're ready to put the hammer down against that first opponent. They are sitting a couple games ahead of the Warriors, uh, a couple games behind the Kings there in that fourth spot in the Western Conference at 34 and 29. I'm with you. Who cares? Who cares? I mean, don't yeah. fall off. Don't fall too far out of the out of the top seating there. Fine. But like, I mean, who cares? Just get into a postseason and figure it out that if you have to wrap CP3 in bubble wrap until the postseason, let's do that if we're Phoenix. Because the most important thing is to try to have these guys available to you in a postseason. And exactly. seating only matters if you actually have your stars available to you, you know, I, I just, I really, I'm with you. I, I don't think that they should be focused at all on what really, frankly, happens here down the stretch. They need to get into a postseason and they need to keep those guys healthy. And I think if those guys are fully healthy, it wasn't, it doesn't matter where they're seated because you have the belief that they can get past anybody. Maybe a I mean, little bit disrespectful trade. there to the Nuggets, but yeah. that's the belief I mean, everybody has. You didn't trade for Kevin Durant so that you could race to get the two seed to avoid somebody. Like you traded for Kevin Durant with the belief that whoever was put in front of you, you could beat on your way to a title. And if you do, it worked out the way you planned. And if you don't, hopefully you get deep. I mean, right now, Phoenix is sitting four. They'd get a first round matchup with the five seed, which would be the Golden State Warriors. Durant versus his old team in the Western Conference playoffs. I mean, how good would that be? Like, how riveting of television is that for an opening round matchup? That would be so fun. 
That would be such a fun opening round match. It really would be. And he'd be extra motivated. I mean, he seemed extra motivated last night, right? Like he came he oh, came yeah. out to me looking like he feels like he has a renewed sense of something to prove. And that's what you want from Kevin Durant. And if that he can Chris stay Paul healthy, Warrior beef is something else too. Like that's that is true. that's an all-timer matchup right there for the first round. All-timer. K- KD's first basket last night fed to him by CP3. We'll see how it ends up looking. They need enough time playing. They don't need to worry about seeding. They do need enough time to work, of course, on gelling together. But the most important thing is staying healthy. Coming up next, what will the Eagles have to do to get back to the Super Bowl? Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. It's that time for us to go through the sound of the day. Let's get to it. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. Joe's Philadelphia Eagles made it to the Super Bowl this season, but they fell a little short to Patrick Mahomes and to James's Kansas City Chiefs. They'll they'll look a lot different. <laughs> we don't we don't need the commentary what? here, James. I, I didn't just say try that. to set up the bite. Did you hear something? I didn't. They'll, say they'll look a lot different heading into the 2023 season with two new coordinators and a bunch of roster turnover. So how do they get back to the Super Bowl? Here is GM Howie Roseman on NBC Sports. Just because you say you're going to get back, I mean, every time team loses in the Super Bowl, everyone, well, we'll be back. We'll be back. Well, we got to make that happen. Yeah. How do we make that happen? By continuing to do the right things and um, having a good process um, and making sure that we're giving our coaches the right kind of players. Hello, James. Now, this is actually where oh, you're supposed to chime yeah, in to I, the show. I don't know what you guys heard. I, I don't think I said anything. Uh, Joe, what will the Eagles need to do next year if they want to get back to the Super Bowl? Well, they're going to need to navigate a schedule that's going to be a hell of a lot tougher than what they faced this season because they didn't play anybody. They played Indianapolis and Jacksonville and Tennessee and Houston. They played their own division, which featured a decent Giants team, but not great. A below average Washington team, a not so great Cowboys team. And then they had a bunch of crossovers against teams that weren't all that impressive. They played the Bears. They played a down Packers team, the Lions the Vikings, who they hosted on Monday night. So Hurts getting paid is one thing. They're going to have to address the offensive line because they've got some free agents there. And defensively, they're probably going to lose a couple key guys. But the most important thing is navigating a far more difficult schedule. That's going to show whether or not they're legit. The schedule, of course, is going to matter. But in terms of navigating the postseason, what I think matters even more is that when you hand Jalen Hurts that extension that you're inevitably going to hand him this offseason, make sure that it's not so prohibitive the way that it's structured that you can't keep any pieces around him. Because this window is up. You can't capitalize now on the rookie deal. You're going tonight to try to keep those pieces around him. And namely that O-line. That does concern me. He certainly benefited from having the best O-line in football this season. And there are numerous pieces he could be losing on that line you just got to try to keep they're not going to be able to keep it all intact but you've got to try to keep as much of it intact as you can it seems like the Aaron Rodgers era in Green Bay is nearing an end 
What will his Packers, le- or at least that's at least that's what he wants us to think. What will his <laughs> Packers legacy look like when it's over? Here's ESPN Wisconsin's Gabe Neitzel this morning with Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max. When it comes to Rodgers, he was never as beloved as Brett. It's going to be complicated because I think there are going to be some people that always are going to respect the four MVPs and are going to respect the fact that he did win a Super Bowl and and had to deal with all the Brett Favre drama back in 2008. But this just feels worse than it did when toward the end of Brett. It just feels like more fan base is going to is kind of turning on Aaron, just like, man, I don't care. I don't care what you do. Stop dragging this out. Just give us the decision. We want to know if you want to play football. And so many people are sick of that. I think it's going to be tougher for Aaron to kind of overcome some of these things because he wasn't as beloved as Brett Favre was. That was an Aaron Rodgers watch. That's a, that's a little feature inception there. Uh, Amber, what will Aaron Rodgers' legacy be in Green Bay? Well, there's just no love like your first love, apparently, right? Uh, if they don't like Aaron Rodgers nearly as much as they like Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, am I allowed to say, is a better quarterback than Brett Favre? Am I allowed to say it? You're allowed to. Yeah, you can say that. I, I mean, is that? I feel like it's controversial because Brett Favre was such a legend there. But Aaron Rodgers was a better quarterback than Brett Favre. Aaron Rodgers has obviously done so much for that organization. I would say that his legacy... Once we get past this phase, and I am saying this as somebody who is perpetually annoyed by this phase of Aaron Rodgers, once we get past this phase of Aaron Rodgers, then with the legacy, it's going to be a very positive one. You are talking about a player that, of course, got them a ring, got them the Super Bowl MVP in doing so. So was certainly responsible for that ring in large part. He won an MVP of the league three times with that organization. He's considered easily one of the best quarterbacks of his generation. At times, people would have had him as the best quarterback of his generation. And so I think that the legacy in Green Bay is ultimately a very positive one. He spent a whole lot of years, even if it's a wrap now, he's been a whole lot of years with that organization, played his butt off for them, Joe. It's just right now we're in a really weird and difficult time where Aaron Rodgers is annoying as heck. I mean, if he cares, if he truly cares about what they think, hopefully he's smart. Hold on. Are we really questioning whether Aaron Rodgers cares what people think? I'm just throwing it out there from a Green Bay fan perspective because you've done so much. You don't want to undo all of it in like the last year, year and a half. You want a Super Bowl there. You've given those people a ton of great memories. Those are really good fans, really good fans. It's tough to get them upset. Like they're more, I'd say Packer fans are probably some of the most reasonable and rational in the NFL when you look at some of the fan bases. So you don't want to undo all the goodwill late in the career with some of the theatrics. And for the most part, when things like this happen, three, five, ten years down the road, people forget about it. Like, people forget about Jordan at the end of his career playing with the Wizards. Mm -hmm. People forget about Montana playing with the Chiefs at the end of his career. Like, those things go away. Apparently, they forgot about Favre doing it as well. (laughs) He did the same thing. And, I mean, Favre had his fair share of scandals and incidents. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, in Green Bay, if Favre had been playing in this day and age... Still, still does. Still, it, still does. And if Favre was playing in this day and age, a lot of his stuff would have come to light a lot faster. So I, I think ultimately, if you like Brett Favre more than Aaron Rodgers, maybe it's because of the style of play he brought to the table. Maybe it's because we tend to remember, you know, the past a lot fonder than we might the present. But, you know, R- Rodgers is... Any fan base would kill for a guy like Rodgers for the stretch they've had. So I think Green Bay fans overall, they're going to remember him in a very fond light.
I would be really excited about it. <laughs> that was my favorite. I just, he just sounds so excited so about whatever his the finality of his decision that apparently is coming, although he won't tell us what it is. We've all spent, I got to move on. We've all spent, I'm just going to get worked up again. We've all spent a lot of time talking about whether or not the Bears should trade the number one overall pick or keep it and possibly use it to draft Bryce Young. And a lot of that is because our own Mike Tannebaum thinks Young is going to be a superstar. But will he be better quarterback than Justin Fields? Here is Tannebaum on KJM this morning. I just think Bryce Young is, has a chance to be spectacular. You know, I, I think he's clearly going to be the better quarterback than. Justin Fields long-term. Justin Fields has a chance to be really good. You know, I'm concerned by his turnover proclivities. He has 140 sacks, turnovers, and interceptions in two years, only playing 27 out of 34 games. Um, Bryce Young is small. You know, there's definitely concerns about him as well. But over time, you know, to me, the better quarterback is going to be Bryce Young. So Tannenbaum thinks Bryce Young is going to be the better quarterback uh, in his career. Joe, what do you think? Will Bryce Young or Justin Fields end up having the better NFL career? Damn, I mean, if I got to make the play now, I'll take Fields. And it's not a it's not a knock on Young. It's just I've seen Fields in the NFL for a couple of years. I haven't seen Young at all. I have something to work with with Fields. What I saw this year were some brilliant moments, some absolutely brilliant moments on an offense that is absolute garbage. No weapons to back him up. No offensive line to work with. His second offensive system in as many years. Like, there's no better way to screw up a young quarterback than to keep changing his play caller and his playbook. If I'm not mistaken, I think Alex Smith had like six offensive coordinators in six years, his first six years in the league. That's insane. That lack of continuity is going to kill a kid's growth. So I would go with Fields. I know he's got the size. If he can stay healthy, I think he can develop into an above-average NFL quarterback. Young, he's a wild card at this point. That size could be an issue, Amber. It really could. Mike T's trying to throw us off by throwing big words out like proclivities, right? And then he sounds so (laughs) smart. And then we're like, oh, he must know what he's talking about. But he doesn't know what he's talking about because Justin Fields has 30 pounds and three or four inches on Bryce Young. And that's just according to their listed stats. So we know probably ain't even that an actual person. My money would absolutely be on Justin Fields. Like Joe said, we've seen it in the NFL in Justin Fields on a decimated Bears team. Some of the athleticism I have seen from Justin Fields, some of the play I've seen from Justin Fields was absolutely electric. Uh, uh, I mean, some of that game film is just something to watch. I understand that Bryce Young was great in college. Sure, I haven't seen any of it in the NFL. I've never seen a quarterback of his size pan out. Nevertheless, in this game, I mean, a lot of the smaller quarterbacks, even Russell Wilson has fallen off a ledge, but he ain't Bryce Young small. So I just might, my confidence would certainly be in Justin Fields. I don't know anybody, by the way, other than Mike Tannebaum. I feel like this is Mike Tannebaum's like mountain that he's planting the flag on this is the hill this is the hill that he's playing like he has really carved out the Bryce Young lane I mean we all listen he's a high profile quarterback out of Bama obviously gonna go at the top of the draft fine but this lane that Tannebaum has really carved out in his his defense I feel like he's doing it louder than anybody else Orlovsky loves him too but oh really Orlovsky's defense Orlovsky Orlovsky loves everybody Orlovsky's got love for everybody. He will find a way quarterbacks. to love on you. He is one of the most positive-minded people I've ever seen in my life. But he is a huge Bryce Young fan as well. So you've got uh, Tannenbaum driving the bus 
and Orlovsky hanging his head out the window with his with his tongue dangling like a puppy dog in the breeze the way those two love Bryce Young. But, I mean, the kids put a lot of great tape out there. It's hard to knock them. The size is the big question. I mean, what's he going to weigh at the combine? Is he going to weigh a buck 80 wet? I mean, that's a right. big concern. It's a big concern. It's a big concern in today's NFL. These shorter, smaller quarterbacks – the Kyler Murray's of the world. It hasn't gone exactly very well for the ones that have been drafted in the last five years. And I, it seems like that the age of maybe the small quarterback has passed us by. We'll find out. Somebody's still going to draft him at the top of this thing coming up. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Coming up next, Jalen Carter was back at the Combine today. We're going to get into it. Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Find him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Jalen Carter is back at the NFL Combine after turning himself in in Georgia for his arraignment. Then he has come back to the Combine. It was a very quick process. We will get into the Jalen Carter story in just moments. But first, Joe is going to try to earn you some more loose change. Let's get to it. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. All right, let's keep it in the association. This game tips off at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. It's the Pacers. It's the Spurs. We're laying the four and a half with Indiana. The Spurs had lost 16 in a row. It was an incredible tank job until they found themselves in a matchup a couple nights ago with Utah in which they inexplicably won the game. They're battling with Houston for the worst record in the NBA, and they won the game. Utah was terrible. They shot 35% from the field, 29% from deep, committed 20 turnovers, missed 12 free throws, and the Spurs just backed into a victory. So I think, and I'm just kind of tongue-in-cheek saying this, that the message was sent, we don't need any overachievers on this roster right now. There is a mission. We want the number one pick. We want Victor Wembanyama. So tonight, I think the Spurs go back into the tank, and it's the Pacers, minus four and a half, over San Antonio, 8.30 p.m. tip time. Police have secured arrest warrants for former Georgia star Jalen Carter. Talking to some people around the league this morning when this stuff broke, I mean, they were not clued in on it. Everyone that knew this went down had to know that this was going to come to the forefront at some point. So I said in introducing this segment that Jalen Carter had been arraigned. He's actually not been arraigned because he was only there at booking for 16 minutes. That's according at least to TMZs after he was initially booked and to the time that he posted bail. So he was booked for charges that he is facing in connection to a crash that took the life of Stafford Chandler LaCroix on January 15th and killed it took his life and offensive lineman Devin Willock Willock was just 20 years old the accusation is that Jalen Carter was racing the car that LaCroix was driving uh, LaCarter driving his own vehicle at the time that is the accusation he's being charged with multiple misdemeanors he was booked and released uh, after posting a $4,000 bond and made his way back to Indianapolis. That, of course, was in Georgia, in Athens. He made his way back to Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. A very quick process, Joe. And uh, it's, it's strange because now the focus just goes straight back to football. Yeah, I mean, you've brought this up before. I brought it up yesterday. When it involves sports so quickly, we move past the tragedy and the death. And then we start breaking down. 
you know how how far is he going to fall in the draft? What does this do to his draft stock? Can you can you can you trust him to make good decisions? Stuff that just seems so just meaningless in the grand scheme. So I don't know. Let me start with this when it comes to this conversation. Jalen Carter decides to leave the combine to go do whatever it is he's going to do, and now he returns. Would you have advised him to return? Is returning the right move? Because on one hand, I don't know. I don't have an answer to this. On one hand, people are going to say, well, you ran from it. You're trying to duck it. That's a bad look. You got to get in front of this. And then on the other hand, you know, leaving for a day and then returning when you weren't even planning on working out to begin with, what does that say? Does that say you don't necessarily care as much? Does that say you're not really going through the process? I have no idea what the right decision is here. I think if I was advising Jalen Carter, that would have been my advice. My advice would have been immediately, let's leave, turn yourself in so it does not look like you're running from these charges in any way, shape, or form. You turn yourself in, you work with police, you do your thing, you bail yourself out, you get right back to your business, and so you can have interactions with these teams and continue to go through interviews with these teams and presumably it may be explained to some degree. The problem is he's facing criminal charges, and so there's only so much he can say because the lawyer in me would also advise Jalen Carter not to say anything at all and so if you're not saying anything and you're going to let your legal team handle things which he needs to lawyer up and he needs to allow his attorneys to do so then you're not really going to be saying much to these teams about the actual incident or the allegations themselves all you can say is the truth will come out I deny these allegations you know you really like assuming that that's the path that he's going to go down by the way and he has so far done so it appears on social media we don't know much we know what he's being accused of and we got a statement from him on social media saying that he was going to turn himself in which he ends up doing but we don't really know what his account is the allegation is that he gave conflicting accounts at the time of the accident to police he will have his day to present all of that but he can't do it now and he can't do it to these teams so I think I would advise him from the football perspective to show back up because you need to foster these relationships but it's not an easy situation to be in and again I'm not trying to overlook the fact that there's actual loss of life here and so I'm not trying to say that anything he's dealing with is more difficult than the families of those two young men who were who were two young men who were lost I mean Chandler LaCroix was I believe 24 years old and Devin Willock was 20 years old I'm not trying to minimize that but the reality is what the reality is for you said that before I don't even think you need that disclaimer no one no one thinks that you're going in that direction it's nice for you to say it but you're it's all good yeah Um, I mean you know so what do you Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, the reality is that there is a football component to the story. Yeah. Like, that is the reality of it. We're talking about a guy who was projected to be a top five pick in this upcoming draft. And as uncomfortable as it is, that is going to happen. It is going to be a reality that we are going to be talking about the football component of this on draft night when it comes to Jalen Carter. So let's look at this then. We have a story where he's driving a car, he's racing. There's another car he's allegedly racing against. That car crashes. Two people die tragically. Right. Obviously, teams, law enforcement, everyone's going to work through this. Draft is coming up in a couple months. If teams sit there and they get the information that, all right, here's the, here are the details of what happens. Happened, and he's not really going to face any jail time. Do you think he falls at all in the draft? Do you think anyone cares? Because if we're talking about a fifth-round pick, yeah, he probably falls to the sixth round. Maybe he gets undrafted. When we're talking about arguably the best defender in the draft – 
I don't know. I really find it hard to believe that every team is going to say, no, no, no. Teams are desperate, and they know they're not out there drafting choir boys. And I hate to put it like that, but the business of winning oftentimes, in some instances, requires overlooking character if the guy can produce on the field. I think that it... I think that it comes down to how you feel about the decision-making portion of your evaluation. Because I do think that that factors into this, right? Now you have this other story out there where he is allegedly... It's being alleged that he was going 104 miles per hour before that accident. I mean, you could argue that that in and of itself, you know, even if he wasn't allegedly... You know, even if the allegation of the racing wasn't true or whatever his involvement is, I think it comes down to a decision-making evaluation and these teams do that anyways you know these teams try to dive into every component of these players anyways to try to figure out what kind of player they're going to be in the NFL and there's only so many ways you can do that but I would imagine this is not going to be helpful to that evaluation Joe and Amber the podcast Robert Half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 